Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay, well, I'll leave you two alone. Celebrate McRib season with McDonald's. Enjoy the deliciously saucy McRib. Only for a limited time and only at McDonald's. At participating McDonald's. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, ooses? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms, and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast, and you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war, because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Good morning, Ooses. It's DFTC, Jeff Pamatrio, the host of Not Your Mama's Soap Opera, and you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast exclusively on Wrestle Addicts Radio. Baker's going to be the next millionaire. I mean, she's a dentist. She's working in wrestling. It's like the best of both worlds, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Game Changer Podcast, including here on Wrestle Attic Radio. I am indeed Nate the Effing Great, and I'm being joined here, as always, by my great co-host, Canada's own son, the one and only Mr. Fretz. Radio. Election season is over. Thank God that was a train wreck. Uh, Trudeau, congratulations. I don't like you that much, but Andrew Scheer, thank God you're not our Prime Minister. That's all I'm going to say about that. You can find me at the legendary JF on Twitter and Instagram uh, and here on Russell Attic Radio. And I don't know what day it is because <laughs> I'm tired as hell, but here we go. What a week in wrestling we had. Oh, God, yeah. And honestly, guys, this is going to be very interesting because for the first time in a while, I'll be kind of running roughshod here because I'll be talking about Bound for Glory that I attended this past weekend, and it was awesome. Uh, Fretz, did you at least get a glance of the results of the show, or do I need to fill you in on everything? I looked at the results. Uh, I meant to catch like a stream or a recap page, but in between... 
uh, work and, uh, you know, watching the, what we're reviewing for this show, uh, I, I didn't get the time. I, I probably won't now. Right. It, it looked good. I thought there was a couple of results that I thought should have been different, but we'll cover that when you, when you talk about it. Yes. All right, but let's go right into it, you guys. Uh, one of the dark matches that we unfortunately missed was Madison Reigns defeating uh, Shotzi Blackheart. Kind of bummed about that. Matchup we got to see the very last bit of, but it was the Rascals defeating Dr. Regger Jr., Aerostar, and Taurus. I will say this, it was really good to see Aerostar again. Not since Lucha Underground have I been excited to see this guy. Honestly, I also kind of want Mustafa Ali and Aerostar to be a team, just so that we have that, like, lights go out, see Aerostar's goggles lighting up, see Mustafa Ali's mask lighting up. Just that visual there, it's money right there. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, but honestly, from what we saw, it was a great matchup. And the surprising part was uh, Dr. Wagner Jr.'s mask actually got ripped off during the events. And I was literally looking at him like, he kind of looks like Rick Steiner. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> Rick Steiner with Dr. Wagner Jr. all along. I'm in shock. My life no longer makes sense anymore. <laughs> no. Um... The first opening matchup here was the Bound for Gold Gauntlet matchup where the winner could choose any championship match of their choosing. So I'm going to run down the uh, the list of people that were involved in this. I'm not going to go through the eliminations. There will be some points where I will talk about these guys, but um, nothing really too crazy. But uh, what the hell? Okay, this makes so much sense now because I, I was wondering what happened to this person, but now I understand. Um, we started off with uh, Eddie Edwards and Adam Thornstrow. Next up was uh, Luster the Legend, who honestly had like this Enzo Amore kind of haircut but with the Seamus Mohawk. And I actually got a You Look Stupid chant going on during that. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, oh, ladies and gentlemen. That was awesome. Uh, next would be Cousin Jake, who I confused for Cody Diener. He's not until later on, apparently. Uh, Rohit Raju. Uh, we get a surprise here. With Joey Ryan making an appearance during this matchup. Uh, this was where I kind of started marking out. Because how they brought him in. And they did this with another person as well. It was awesome. Uh, they actually used like emojis. So there was like this smiley face and then a lollipop and then an eggplant. And that's all we needed. <laughs> that's all we needed. Joey Ryan made us go into the deal. Uh, then we had uh, Jessica Havoc. Rosemary, who I was, of course, you know, freaking out about. It's like, yes, there's my girl, there's my girl. And we see Madman Fulton. Con now Cody Diener comes into this. And honestly, God, it was a, it's a funny just seeing this guy. Johnny Swinger. Jordan Grace. Grace yes. is with her presence. Oh, my gosh, she is just so beautiful. And also one of those women that I am so thankful she didn't pop my head like a pimple this past Russell, Russell Khan. Thank you, Jordan Grace. Uh, Swoggle also made a cameo, also made an appearance hey, during this event. Boy. I know, right? I was literally like, oh my god, Swoggle's in this. I love it. Um, Kira Hogan, Raji Singh, uh, the man of extreme, Tommy Dreamer came into this matchup. That was awesome. Uh, now this was a shock because all we got for this was a bit of like a smiley face emoji, and it's kind of like, well, what the, what, what's going on here? Then we find out what it is. Kylie Ray. Made her appearance yeah. on the on this Impact Wrestling show for Bound for Glory. Uh, then we had Fala Ba Ba Ba. Oh my God, 
Falaba, I love you. <laughs> just, just, just never changed, dude. Um, we had Sabu and Mahabali Shira closing it out. Final two of this gauntlet matchup was Eddie Edwards and Shira. Uh, Eddie Edwards would pick up the victory, and he gets a title opportunity of his choosing. Honestly, this was a pretty solid matchup to start off. Uh, one thing that kind of confused me was that, uh, and this is something that they kind of announced, I guess they're kind of not showing it here, uh, Swaggle was technically not eliminated in this matchup. I don't know what happened to him. He kind of just, he just kind of vanished before the final two happened. So I don't know if maybe there was like a miscue or something like that, but it doesn't show him getting eliminated by anybody. It's just literally just on the Wikipedia says Swaggle, and then for the eliminate for you know eliminated by and it's just a blank space. So he's he's the modern day Curtis Axel, or he's hiding under the <laughs> yes. I want the I just, next time I see him, I'm just gonna say that dude. You gotta be the you gotta be Kurt, like Curtis Axel. Swaggle mania is running wild. <laughs> just hey, hey tell, tell him I tell him I told him that and yes. uh, yeah he or he's waiting. Under the ring for Finley. Oh, there we go. Oh my gosh, that's. Or, or maybe going. no. Wait, Dave Finley's an agent in WWE. His his kid Finley Junior. What's he doing? Maybe he's waiting for him too. Ooh, that would, that would be an interesting deal. I would mm-hmm. kind of be okay with that. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Edwards win this matchup. Like I said, really good matchup to kind of open it up. You got introduced to a lot of your people. It was kind of one of those like, hey, everybody in the pool, the water's fine, everything like that. It was really kind of a good matchup. Uh, I didn't pee in it, I swear. Right. <laughs> Maybe Joey Ryan did, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go into that. Um I gosh, we're not even gonna get into like too many of the extreme moments until later on. There's literally a moment where I thought somebody died during this event. Uh thank God he did not. But uh next matchup on here was for the Impact Knockouts Championship, Taya Valkyrie defending against Neil Dashwood. Unfortunately, this was one of those matches where it was like, wow. All of these women who probably had great matches, you know, going into this. Um, we get into the Knockouts title matchup. This was anything but eventful. I kid you not. I am literally watching this thinking to myself, wow, this is a title match. And it's so boring. There's really nothing going on during this matchup. Uh, maybe it's the fact that, you know, the buildup was done horribly wrong. Maybe there was just something about it. it. just felt like it was nothing really eventful. I tried getting in. We tried getting involved with it as much as we could, but it was just kind of like, eh. It was just, it was just kind of like a their match. And I really hate saying that, but I will tell you this. It was not the worst matchup on the card. Oh, no, 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 no. There was one matchup that definitely, definitely earned that right. Uh, but this was definitely a shoo-in for, like, second worst of the night. Uh, Taya Valkyrie would hit the uh, Road to Valhalla for the victory. And honestly... I think a lot of people were pretty shocked about this because they thought that, hey, she probably would be going to uh, NXT because her husband is in WWE now. For what? We don't yeah, know. Is he? Is he? That, that's, that's just a rumor and innuendo that's that going around. That maybe I did forget did. about that. I did forget about that. It was, it was a rumor going around, but it did seem like she was going to NXT. But uh, she's probably sticking around Impact for a while longer. But I said, but I said if they're going to do this, don't have her lose the belt here. It would be too predictable. So... In my defense, I was right, but it was kind of one of those things like, I wish I was right on a more better matchup. Um, next matchup on here was the triple threat matchup for the Impact World Tag Team titles. We had the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander taking on Rich Swan, Willie Mack, as well as Rhino and Rob Van Dam. 
Uh, Rich Swan and Willie Mack, my God, these guys are just absolutely tearing it on the tag team scene. Uh, the North does a really great job, and I think just having that whole deal where you have Rhino and Rob Van Dam to add a little more like the experience, the veteran deal with it. It was a really good good matchup. Uh, I think there were, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I think they did like a pop-up cutter at one point. There was a deal where, uh, I, th- I think Willie Mack actually did that, and so many people who have never seen Willie Mack got to see Willie Mack fly over the top rope. And that was one of those moments where it's like, yep, that's awesome. That's 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 Willie Mack. That's that's our boy from Lucha Underground. That is amazing. Uh, a lot of really great stuff here. And I think the North actually did a lot of the, got a lot of the brunt work. I think that honestly, other than the whole deal with, you know, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, and uh, RVD and Rhino, it was kind of an interesting deal where we did see... Uh, we see, we see, you know, these guys kind of like trying to get on the same page, but also realizing that hey, we're gunning for the titles, and the North is just getting the shit beat out of them. I know, I said the S word. I don't care at this point. Um, but the shock we really swear here, don't we? <laughs> that, that is true. The shock came at the end of the matchup. So Rhino was setting up for the gore on uh, Josh Alexander, if I remember correctly, and it looked like we were just about to see it, and all of a sudden. Boom! Super kick by Rob Van Dam. RVD turning heel on him, and the crowd immediately just turning on Rob Van Dam. They started booing him, and it's kind of one of those things where like, what, what, okay, this is going to be interesting to hear the explanation for this. Uh, Rob Van Dam would hit the uh, super kick on Willie Mack as well as on uh, Rich Swan. The North would take the advantage by hitting their finishing tag team move, retain their titles, and it's another victory for the people up north. So Canada's having a really good night when it comes to when it, when it comes to uh, victories here. Oh, and trust me, it's going to get better because we're going into match of the night here. Michael Elgin versus Marufu, Marufuji. Oh my God! What they had a match? They had a match, and it was awesome. This matchup had very little buildup. Very little hype, and honestly, the way that they complemented each other, Mara Fuji, you know, doing the running kicks, doing the pump kicks, Elgin using you know, his powerhouse style, also just trying his best to put Mara Fuji away. It was a matchup that almost, it just, just didn't seem like it was going to end. And this was match of the night, in all honesty. They tore the house down. This felt like a very New Japan-style matchup between the two of them. And it worked in their favor. It worked out very well. This had a lot of, you know, false finishes. They had a lot of the crazy, you know, high-risk spots by Marfuji. Oh, my God. The, oh, the Shurinu on the apron was amazing. That, oh, yes, more, please. Wait, he did a slice bread number two on the apron. Yes, he did. Oh, like, I haven't seen Marfuji in years. Like, I'm hunting this match down, dude. Like, seriously. It is. It is worth the watch, and it's, I think, the second longest matchup on the card with 18 minutes and 5 seconds. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Elegant would pick up the victory in the end, though, but honestly, they both came out winners. They both came out looking like great competitors. It was just, it was great. And it was it was a clean-as-a-whistle deal. It wasn't one of those things where he tried, you know, using weapons or anything like that. No, he, he used his strength, he used his stamina, he outlasted Marfuji. That's 
amazing to say at least. Again, third victory in a row for Canada. So, so yeah, but with Michael Elgin, uh, isn't he had like a bit of a checkered past? Isn't he kind of like blacklisted from a lot of wrestling? Probably. Uh, yeah. But uh, but uh, but obviously he's not going to be blacklisted after this event. <laughs> he's going to be Ew. like we 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 want him we want him now. <laughs> uh, all right, next matchup on here is the intergender ladder match for the for the X division title. Tessa Blanchard, Daga, AC Romero, Ace Austin, and champion Jake Crist. My God, was this amazing? We see. Uh, we see Jake Chris literally get hit with a Canadian destroyer by Daga on a ladder. That do you remember those? Spot, do you remember those spots that WWE usually did where they did like that? Uh, they have the ladder kind of like, um, they they kind of like ha- have it flat from like the ring apron to like the uh the yeah. the the, uh, the announce table stuff like that. Well, that's kind of what we had. We had the uh, ladder go from the ring apron to the um. The barrier, I should say. And yeah, Daga did a Canadian destroyer to Jake Crist on that. Holy shit. That I, I've seen a that's wild. Like I've seen a package pile driver on there. Uh Kevin Owens did that to uh, Sami Zayn and Ring of Honor, like in their loser leaves town match. Yeah, that's right. But my lord. <laughs> I'm watching this. <laughs> and uh oh oh, it gets so much better because um I honestly thought Tessa Blanchard was gonna win and there was even a small party that thought that AC Romero might even win this. There came, and so many people were just like, look at this guy. He's not going to be able to climb up that ladder. I'm like, it's probably a reinforced ladder. It's fine. He's going to do it. He came very, very close. He came very, very close. Um, he's up to at least the third or second to last uh, rung from the ladder. And we see Tessa Blanchard. She comes in. And literally, I'm thinking to myself, there's going to be somebody else who's going to help her. That No, she does this by herself. She shoves the ladder over. Ace Romero goes over the top rope, lands on the floor where there's a table. And literally, I thought to myself, oh my God, he's dead. Because I thought he landed on his head or some shit. But thankfully, no. I look at the replay, I'm like, oh, thank God. He's okay. I, mean, I, I did see that. <laughs> I, that, and well, I mean, you saw like the after effect. Like, she, I think she pushed it so hard that he fell off, went through the table, but the ladder actually went over the top rope and landed on the barrier, almost hitting some fans. And there were people just like, and there were just people freaking out like, oh my God, oh my God. Their production crew like, are you okay? Are you okay? They're all all just like, yeah, we're fine. We're we're totally fine. That's a lawsuit. Oh my gosh. And there was literally, there was a, there was literally like, like this is murder chant during this (laughs) event. I think that that was the moment where it happened. Uh, no, it was, I do remember that. It's, or it's like, AC's dead. AC's dead. Uh, we see, we see, um, Tessa Blanchard. She's climbing the ladder. She comes so close to it. Jay Chris comes in, but knocks him off. Then we see Ace Austin. He comes in. He's got that, like, stretched out stick of his that he has. Bashes Tessa Blanchard on the head. Climbs up. Retrieves the belt. Ace Austin is your new X Division champion. Elegant versus Marfuji was match of the night. This was definitely like a close second. This was amazing. This was probably one of the most extreme ladder matches that I've seen next to the uh, uh, ladder match from All Out, where literally it was like every single move they were doing, it was like, please don't die. Just just no more death, please. 
this was definitely a close second where it's like, again, just no death. No, no one die, please. Uh, we get into the preliminary main event, which was <sighs> Ken Shamrock versus Moose. Oh, my Lord. Oh, this was a cluster. This was, this was bad. I feel bad for Moose. I mean, Ken Shamrock, my God. The guy looks great for, you know, his age, but... God, was this just so boring? Was this just full of really horrible spots? There was a point where um, the top turnbuckle pad got torn off, and Mark uh, Ken Shamrock was supposed to go into it. He whiffed it, missed it. Uh, Moose hits his like Lashley knockoff spear that he does, where it didn't even look like it. Like he, like he grazes the shoulder or some shit, and he does like a flip, that kind of spear. I like and, that spear better than Bobby's, actually. Okay. Just because the flip makes it look cooler. Okay, fair enough. But, yeah, that's that's kind of how he went. There there was a point where Ken Shamrock locked the ankle lock on Moose three times. Did not tap out. Uh, this was just, this was just a clusterfuck, man. This was bad. That I think the finish even was like the nail on the coffin where it's like, yep, we're, we're, not, we're not getting the time that we got spent in this matchup. This just sucked. <laughs> um... Then we go into the main event, which is for the Impact World title, which we didn't know turned into a no-disqualification matchup between Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan. My God. Uh, this was a really, really good matchup between the two of them. They literally were out just literally killing each other. Wolverine Cage, my God. Him having, like, the purple and yellow tights. They came out with, like, Wolverine claws. He even did a deal where he has those claws, and he's just grating the face, the head of Sammy Callahan. Um, oh, God. I mean, that wasn't even the reason why he got busted open in the first place. The reason why he got busted open in the first place was because Brian Cage bit him. And I guess maybe he, he, he... I don't know if he, like, took a chunk of skin off or something like that. But, yeah, Sammy Callahan was just bleeding quite a bit. Um... We see Sammy Callahan hit a pile driver on Brian Cage with a barricade with chairs. It's literally one of those situations where they have they have a setup like you know like those ta- like table spots where they tr- do like a uh, two chairs on each side table like that. They do that but with a steel barricade. And why? <laughs> uh, because they want to see Brian Cage die. Apparently, uh, honestly, that was an intense moment. Uh, Sammy Callahan did everything that he could. The ending took place where we see Sammy Callahan break out the thumbtacks, hits a pile driver on Brian Cage, who no-sells it, and then hits the drill claw on Sammy Callahan on the tacks for the one, two, three. Such disappointment. I yeah. I was all for the matchup, but then that happened, and I was just like, that just took away from everything. That, why? Why would you do... do oh... That's why this was not match of the night, I think, because that finish just took away from so much. Brian Cage is celebrating with his wife. It's like a happy moment. Honest to God, I would have much rather have seen the Sammy Callahan title change happen here. Uh, but one thing I will say was really funny was the fact that um, as they were going off the air, uh, fans were you know, chanting, you know, thank you, Sammy, thank you, Sammy. He's just looking out into the crowd. He's just kind of almost like taking everything in to kind of, I think, taking the fact that he's a main eventer. And how does he repay all the fans? Double bird to everybody. Yes! <laughs> and it just walks away, to which I'm like, damn it, Sammy, we love you, even though you hate us. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, I agree with, 
like I think both Sammy and Tessa should have walked up with titles here, but because I'm still waiting for that Sammy versus Tessa main event for the belt because I've seen I've caught glimpses of some of their feud. Like I've I've missed Impact for I think almost the past year. Like because I used to be off I used to be off in time on Friday nights to watch it on Twitch, and it, it was a good time, but. Yeah, I, 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 I had to look up on Twitter who Ace Austin is. I thought he was that uh, that large guy, but that's Ace Romero. Ace Romero, yeah. Right. Uh, I saw that big bump he did, and I'm like, okay, how are a guy your size doing that? Well, we saw what Keith Lee did on NXT, and we'll get there, my goodness, <laughs> Keith Lee. Bask uh, in that glory, but... Uh, Shamrock, I cut... I, 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 I always look out for gifts and little videos on Twitter if I miss stuff, but Ken Shermock doing like a plancha at 55, I've got to give him props for that. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely give that. I will say also Ace Romero for a guy his size doing a plancha onto a ladder to take out two opponents. That's impressive as well. So, for those, oh, yeah. for, for those that think that, you know, there weren't any high, other highlights other than the ones I've mentioned, no, there were plenty. It's just it's just my phone was dead and I couldn't really capture everything. Mental note, next time going to an event, pack an extra battery. That's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. But honestly, Bound for Glory, it was good. I think that, you know, definitely the ladder match and the uh, elegant Marfuji matchup definitely were like the show stealers and they just really made that night absolutely fantastic. Stinkers of the Night definitely were the... Uh, Knockouts title matchup and Moose versus Ken Shamrock. Although we could say like a tough third would be the uh, main event. Uh, it's not one of the better Bound for Glories that I've seen, but it is definitely still one that is a turning point for Impact Wrestling because now they're going into this deal where they are, you know, working with you know, Triple A as well as Noah. So it's giving more of these wrestlers chances to you know compete outside of Impact Wrestling make more money, stuff like that. So we may, in fact, be in a war between AEW and Impact Wrestling, for all we know. Some people are saying, oh, WWE versus AEW. I give it maybe a maybe a good year. It could be Impact Wrestling versus AEW. Because WWE, from where they're going, it's still cringeworthy. To the point, we're not even going to talk about Raw. Because, honestly, I still have it recorded. I have not watched a minute of it. I've seen the results. I'm not impressed. I mean, there's still some... Oh, sorry, I was just say I watched Raw, but I was in between watching the disappointing Maple Leafs game. Oh, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and watching Raw, I forgot entirely what happened on that show. I was, I think I was just also really tired. It's because my, it's, my schedule's on and off. Like, we have inventory coming up at work, so I have to get our store, uh, my workplace, all ready for that. So I've been working different hours I forget like I watched both of the Wednesday Night Wars jokes that's not a war and turning point for TNA you did that on purpose I <laughs> I mean we're not gonna re- we'll probably review one of them one of these days but that is, that is kind of funny that that <laughs> that, that it, it is an event that could be we'll actually also have a TNA one night only event coming in and they're inviting anybody who has worked with TNA to, you know, compete. So who knows what we could possibly see. Maybe that, no, they're not. WWE is not that, that nice. 
They never give us nice things, so never mind. I'm not even going into that. Um, we're going to see the, the Gemini. Wait, those the Gemini twins, they were there for a bit. Um, see, our truth. Nope, not our truth. Ken Shamrock was the, well, he's already there again. Brian, nope, he's passed away. I'm, I'm going through like TNA, like Wanda, like like the old weekly pay-per-views. Oh, gosh. I mean, if we get like something like, you know, Abyss and Sanjay even showing up for that, I will be astonished and amazed that WWE allowed that. But I have my doubts. Um, but I will say this. I do want to comment on one thing when it comes to the whole Raw, when it comes to like Raw or even the Crown Fool, I'm sorry, Blood Money event that's coming up. So they did make a stipulation with Seth Rollins versus The Fiend, which, hey, that makes sense because it's a Raw and SmackDown person competing for the title, is that there's no referee stoppage in this. It will not be stopped for any reason. You know, you could have just said there must be a winner for this, and that would have been fine. You wouldn't have to make it such a big deal because you done goofed. You could have just said, hey, we're moving on from that. We're going to ensure that there is a winner for this matchup. Instead of saying, like, oh, sorry for our goof. We'll just put the stipulation in here. That way, you know, you can forgive us. It's like, WWE, so many things we can never forgive you for. And this is one that it's it's tough to forgive you for that. You could have made it a non-title matchup with Seth and, and you know, Bray at Hell in the Cell. That way, it probably wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. And then you wouldn't have to make that stupid stipulation. But I think I think there was like a moment where Seth was talking about why he burned the Firefly Funhouse. But all we care about is that Funhouse is destroyed. You killed Rambling Rabbit, you bastard. And literally, I could care less about that. Bray, Actually, it's back on SmackDown this week. Oh, cool. So so Bray's the face and Seth is the heel. That that's the way, way I see it, and that's the way I'm sticking to it. I don't care what WWE says. I it's, I think it's gonna force their hand. Uh, eventually, but now there's like uh, Fiend versus Rollins, like steel cage matches being advertised. There was one after like a uh, dark match, and everyone was just like, "Seth beat him clean." Uh, Seth escaped the cage. That's not beating him clean. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. That's that's a victory, but that's just getting up and leaving, basically. Uh, that, that was that was literally John Cena and Bray Wyatt years ago, to where it was like. Hey, had he pinned him? That'd have been great. But no, Bray Wyatt just leaves because creepy kid. Well, no, Bray, well, he eventually pit. Didn't he pin John Cena in the Elimination Chamber? Yeah. No. Well, you have to remember. Like I said, that was years years ago. Re- oh, right. Years after that. Yeah. Yeah. Years after that. That's when John Cena finally gave him the comeuppance when he could have done it by just losing to him at WrestleMania. But that's a totally entire different deal. Honestly, I think we need to make that like a year end po- podcast where. Um, where we talk about like some of the major issues we still have with WWE, because that's one of them, is that Cena buried so many people. But anyway, uh, before I go on a tangent, let's go on a, go to a commercial break, because when we come back, we're going to be talking about Wednesday nights, and boy, oh boy, do we have quite a bit to discuss, ladies and gentlemen. And don't forget, we got one other show that we're going to be reviewing for this month, and uh, I think that you're going to like, I think that some people will like this, I think that there's some people that will be pissed off about this show that I picked out, but you know what? Let me put it like this. I don't really care. So stay tuned, guys. Uh-oh. We'll be back. 
What is up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is King Ricky Rose, your co-general manager of Wrestle Addict Radio and your host of Kings of the Rings podcast. And if you enjoy what you listen to each and every week here on Wrestle Addict Radio, we invite you to enjoy even more content from us on our exclusive Patreon page, where for just $5 a month, that's right, $5 a month, you get bonus content and commentary from each and every show here on Wrestle Attic Radio. That means bonus content from the Kings of the Rings podcast, from Not Your Mama's Soap Opera, from 4 4 WrestleCast, from The Gift of Podcast, and from the Game Changer WrestleCast. So for $5 a month, go to patreon.com backslash Wrestle Attic Radio, sign up, you get exclusive content, exclusive access to us pretty much 24-7, and exclusive shows that can only be found and are exclusive to patreon so again folks patreon.com backslash wrestle radio five dollars a month all the content that you could ever want in wrestling enjoy what's up everyone this is yo this is the founder of the king's wings podcast will tarasher t's and thomas a-r-a-s-h uk and you're listening to the game changer podcast right here on wrestle radio never getting tired of downstate's you know music it's really awesome it's kind of one of those things that epitomizes a lot of us as professional wrestling fans welcome back ladies and gentlemen to this edition of the game changer podcast of course a part of wrestle attic radio be sure to check us out on attic underscore wrestle as well as us at the game changer podcast you can check out amazing content from guys like the kings of the rings from gift to podcast from nacho mama soap opera podcast and of course guys over at the fourth wall wrestlecast but here and now, guys, it's me, it's me, it's Nate the Effigy here with Mr. Fretz. And we're talking about the Wednesday Night Wars, quote-unquote, that are still happening. And it seems like NXT is taking the victory when it comes to this night. And we have reasons to believe so. So what we're going to be doing is that Mr. Fretz and I, we're going to be kind of like croqueting or tennis balling the results from what happened from Dynamite as well as what happened on NXT. Uh, Mr. Fretz, what did we kick off NXT with this week? Well, we kicked off NXT with Rhea Ripley going up against Bianca Belair. Uh, we had a just a whole bunch of great back and forth. Uh, there was a couple times where you know it seemed that Bianca was going to get the win. I think she hit the KOD at some point. Uh, Io Shirai came into the ring um, to try and distract and knock off Ripley. Bianca tried to capitalize on that but could not. The referee didn't see it as, you know, Io Shirai just kind of like decked her and kind of hid under the apron for a second. Got back on the ring again, but Candice LeRae ran ran to take her out. And then Ripley hits the Reptide for the win. And this is just, a, I think this is going to set up like a, a fatal four-way number one contenders match for, for Shayna Baszler. Uh, you know, this is just a good, basic you know, women's match. Rhea Ripley, I've said before, she is the absolute future of the women's division. Bianca, I'm, I'm not a fan of. I'm not sold on her like that. I'm glad she's not doing that stupid hair whip crap anymore. But it's just her 
I don't get her gimmick. I don't. I don't get the hype. She's good, but it's just she does literally nothing for me. Uh, and then, uh, are we like doing bit by bit here and there? Or do you want me to keep going with NXT? Uh, we're doing. We're gonna do bit by bit because the first matchup for AAW Dynamite was one of the semifinal matchups for the tag team tournament in which we had the Lucha Bros taking on Private Party, which. I will, I will admit this. I'm glad I took this down when I realized it. I accidentally called Private Party the Street Profits. <laughs> I thankfully deleted that, and I don't think anybody's called me out on that, so thank God for that. Uh, honestly, this was a really great showing for Private Party, and it continues to showcase uh, Lucha Bros in their just absolute finest. The finish of the matchup was, oh, for the love of all that is high and mighty, uh, that... Like Stratosphere into the cutter on Phoenix. They tried to do the same, th- same thing on Pentagon, but he did a Mexican Destroyer, but we like to call it Canadian Destroyer because we love Petey Williams. <laughs> uh, and then we see Lucha Bros winning with the Package Pile Driver Double Stomp combo to advance to the finals for next week's show. Oh my gosh. I, I loved the start of this matchup. It was great. It definitely got you feeling like, okay, well, one of two things are going to happen, and we will talk about that when we talk about the other matchup, which was SCU versus Dark Order. But, Mr. Fretz, what was next on tap for this? Well, there was just an, inter- there was just an interview, but then I'll cover the next match right after. Pete Dunn's interview in the parking lot. He said, uh, you know, despite the low blow, there was no excuse for him losing to Damian Priest. Uh, well, he was there with Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate's going to get involved here in a minute uh he promised there was a a receipt coming for for uh for priest and then there was a a comment about killian dane and he's like yo i don't care about killian dane and that was that (laughs) he's like i don't care about killian dane like oh no selling him that's a match i'd like to see uh dane versus pete dunn get right in and that'd be good Spoiler alert, this is going to set up another match after, there's other stuff here, but we had Matt Riddle, bro, uh, bro of the bro of the show, shout out to the rant and, and Ant, uh, there's a bunch of us in the, uh, in Ant's um, group chat and Patreon, we're doing, a bunch of us are doing a weight loss challenge called Fatality, oh, nice. Fatality, it, no Fatality, but called Fatality, I've already lost five pounds, so uh, I guess not drinking beer for almost a week drive me crazy, but well, you know, <laughs> I I might have one on the weekend or even tonight after work. Depends how I feel, but yeah, we had Matt Riddle going up against Cameron Grimes, aka Trevor Lee. Just some great Matt wrestling. Uh, they both tried to go for their uh, respective quick finishers at the same time. Like uh, what? Um, I think. Um, the cave-in, that's what Grimes calls his uh, his stomp finisher. I guess that's kind of a a nod to his uh, caveman, whatever gimmick it was. Rick, Rick Grimes caveman. <laughs> Trevor Lee is a caveman. They call Trevor Lee the something the, the something caveman. I forget. Like I didn't watch. I'm not. I didn't watch too much of him. But Matt Riddle, bro. Um, he, he did a jackhammer. And then fans were going, Riddle, like, you know, Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> so, Grimes got some uh, great offense. He uh, 
hit a, a great German suplex. Riddle hit a ripcord knee. The Bro to sleep, a German suplex, two count. Uh, Grimes hit a spinning side slam. Uh, Ritt hit a, Riddle hit a great superplex, a floating bro. Uh, and then, you know, Riddle just went off. Final flash. Uh, Grimes hit kind of a Spanish fly-like crossbody. Uh, and then, powerbomb, final flash, bro Derek. Uh, Riddle picked up the win here in a great match. A- a- afterwards, you know, he's going around fist bumping everybody in the crowd. Uh, Tyler Bate was there, and he like, and and like Grimes is laid down on the on the um, barrier, and uh, he he goes to fist bump uh, Cameron Grimes, but he you know, Cameron Grimes basically tells him to f off, and then he sees Tyler Bate like eh, and fist bumps him, and then Cameron Grimes gets up and Bates kind of like doing. Dude, what the hell? Like, don't be a bad sport. So Cameron Grimes decks him. Bate jumps the rail and just decks him back. So Tyler Bate versus Cameron Grimes. I think it's happening next week. Uh, this is going to be a great feud. Up. I don't know what the storytelling they're doing, if this is hitting a Riddle-Goldberg match, or if they're just, you know, doing, doing it just for, just for uh, shits. Because, uh, well, if you saw Goldberg's, um, what's this, 24 recently on the network? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they covered, yeah, they covered his interaction with Riddle. It's like, hey, bro, I'm not your bro. Hey, we need to talk. It's like, I'm not your bro. It's like, it was funny, but, like, there, I think there is a bit of mutual respect there now because they actually sat down and, you know, unloaded. But, uh, if this is setting up Riddle, Goldberg, eh, maybe. I, I can I can see it being okay. Honestly, I think that could definitely be a good setup for WrestleMania. Um, it might help Riddle get to that main event level spot that some people really would like for him to have. But at the same time, you just you just really you just really never know. Uh, so to counteract with that, we had SCU uh, taking on the Dark Order. And the main thing that people remember most about this matchup is the inner circle. They came out through the crowd, and they go up into the skybox office to basically, you know, just chill out, eat some popcorn, have a little bit of the bubbly, because why not? Bubbly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it kind of took away from the matchup a little bit, which was kind of which was kind of shitty. But SCU and Dark Order, they definitely came out in the end. Really putting on some action-packed, you know, deal between them. We had the uh, finish with Kazarian hitting uh, the SCU ladder on Stu for the victory and giving the Dark Order's first loss in AEW. So for me, it was like, oh, okay, this is actually kind of good because this is their first loss. We're getting SCU versus Lucha Lucha Bros in the finals. Oh, my God, I'm okay with this. I am totally fine with this. (laughs) Oh, man. they. I mean, they had, had the whole deal where... Uh, Pentagon injured Daniels with the package pile driver on the stage. Honestly, the story is there. The history is there. They they wrote this out so well, and I honestly thought to myself, it's still going to be Dark Order versus like Lucha. No, it could be Dark Order versus Private Party, or it could be Lucha Bros versus uh, Dark Order. But nope, they pull up a surprise by having SCU versus uh, Lucha Bros. So next week we got that set up for the tag team titles. Oh. Diggity, that's going to be amazing. I'm all for that match. Uh, I, I caught 
little bits of the of the, uh, of the tag match, but it was what I saw was phenomenal. Like Dark Order, I don't think they get enough credit for their in ring work. Their character work is is I, I still don't get the gimmick with the whole uh, uh, creepers, whatever, whatever the heck you call those things. But they're I think at least one of them is Canadian, so I'll give I'll give them that. They're they're both great. Uh, I'm loving SCU and their whole. They're paying tribute to Daniels, who is selling his injury right now, and I, I love it. So I'm I'm all for that. Um, NXT now. Uh, now I just have to get my page back up. <laughs> up, up, up. Yeah. Um, oh, I had a YouTube page here to set up a joke, but we had Breezango and Isaiah Swerve Scott against the Forgotten Sons. Uh, Breezango comes out dressed as uh, Top Gun. And the only thing that I could think of was... Lana. 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 <laughs> Lana! What? Danger zone. They're in the danger zone, but... <laughs> hey, 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 call Kenny Loggins. You're in the danger zone. Shout out to Sterling Archer for that one. Yes. Uh, one of the greatest shows in television history, although not for the past couple of seasons. Uh... Yeah, this was a okay match, mostly forgettable because it had the Forgotten Sons, Rimshot. Uh, I, uh, I don't, I don't get them. The Forgotten Sons, uh, they're they're just so not. They're not good, but they're not bad. They're just there. Uh, we had Jackson Riker hitting a Uranagi on the apron. Ow, the hardest part of the ring, of course. In uh, the momentum for the. Uh, the Forgotten Sons had momentum for most of the match. Uh, Swerve got a hot tag in and just unloaded on everything. Hit a springboard her and Karana off of Riker's chest onto the other members on the outside. Just a spectacular spot. A uh, whole bunch of chaos and a whole bunch of thunder, baby, in the ring. Uh, there was like a like a kind of an insiguri, kind of like a kick to the back of Steve Cutler's neck for the win. And it was... You know, great action. I think it was a surprise to see Breeze Angle and Swerve go over here. I, I definitely would have picked the Forgotten Sons just to stomp a mud hole on them, but and it was it was good. It was nice to see uh, Swerve Scott get a get a chance to go over and get get some spots in. So it's great uh, great exposure for him. No, definitely, I do agree with that. Um, Next matchup on here was Kenny Omega taking on Joey Janela. This focused more on like the wrestling aspect of it. The problem here was that after the no DQ matchup that they had on AW Dark, it cast such a huge shadow of expectations when it came to this matchup, and that kind of that kind of sucked. But at the same time, you know, it was still a really good matchup. Uh, Kenny Omega winning. Lols, I guess he's starting to get back on that road to redemption at the expense of Joey Janela. Eh, whatever. Um, Joey Janela is definitely going to be... He is a major star, guys. I'm not too worried about Joey Janela taking a couple losses here. And he's showcasing that he can he can go with Kenny Omega, so that's showing that he is just, you know... He's just getting, like, fingertips away from being that next breakout star that we would want to face, have him face off against maybe Chris Jericho. I think a Joey Janela-Chris Jericho match would be... I, I'd service it. I think it'd be pretty awesome. Uh, oh, trust me. Oh, trust me. I saw I saw you doing the thing. We're getting to that. We're going to get to that. Trust me. Oh, I did this. I just said it's O for Omega. Oh, oh, okay. 
I thought you were talking no, about the, it wasn't the It wasn't the other one. There. There's that one. Okay, well, there's that one. I, th- I thought that was for the inner circle. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll get into that when you talk about, uh, after you get done talking about NXT. What else did they provide for us? Well, next match we had Angel Garza versus Jack Gallagher. Uh, we had uh, a uh, cruiserweight champion, the Rush on commentary. Uh, the stink of Lashley. Lashley is still there, but oh, he's yes. actually talking with a bit of confidence, a little bit of less annoying, but I'm I'm still not sold on, on Leo Rush as a talker. As a competitor, absolutely am. He's <clears throat> he's great. Uh, Garza, of course, did another spot with his pants. Uh, I, I forget how this one went, but it was really funny how his tearaway pants, I guess, are becoming a part of his gimmick. Uh, Galher, I guess he went, Galher went for Dead at Yawning's Contagious Nate. Ugh. Um, like Gallagher went for like his gentlemanly, you know, British hand behind the back handshake. Uh, Garza kind of healed him out and did the whole kind of like a hair slick, kind of like a dickhead kind of me kind of <laughs> deal. Uh, I'm trying to look to see if um, yeah, no, no, the the pants uh, part wasn't mentioned on here. I didn't write it down, but we had you know decent back and forth action. Garza dominated the match. Gallagher hit a nice delayed vertical suplex. Uh, British Bulldog style, uh, paying tribute to Davy Boy. Uh, Garza recovers, hit the Cerro de la Sela springboard moonsault off the second rope for the win. A really weak-looking finisher. It's just a moonsault off the second rope. It's kind of it's like a, a less better line sell. I, oh. I think it, it looks weak. It looks really weak as a finisher, but I think... Uh, Oh, was it his uncle that was the other Garza that was in like Impact and WCW? He's that kind of paying tribute and homage to him. Uh, after the match, you know, he's doing the he's doing belt taunt, pointing at Rush. Uh, maybe they're gonna have a match. I think they have a pretty good match. Rush is not good on commentary, but I believe he can get better. Decent action for a, a short match, but I was really surprised to see. Uh, Gallagher not go over. He missed uh, that nice corner drop kick he does, but I was disappointed. I didn't see the umbrella, but I haven't seen his umbrella in a couple of years now. It, it is kind of interesting because that was one of those things that I enjoyed too. Is that you know we see him do the umbrella deal, but maybe he's kind of being like Chris Jericho, realizing that hey, maybe it's time to move on from that and try something different. But who knows? Maybe one day he'll bring back the umbrella. At this point, it's just one of those things. Like I kind of would like to see that one one time, just one time for that just to come back. Just like or an umbrella war with uh, with Martin here. Ooh, don't even tease me with that idea. Light, light, lightsaber battle with the umbrella. Let's go. Yes, lightsaber battle forever. Hashtag wrestling sabers. Yes. Um. So we get this deal where Cody comes out and he's going to be making this announcement uh, about his future and as he was talking I just heard like these air horns going off and I'm thinking to myself all I was thinking to myself was what the fuck are we getting, are we getting like these like random fans being like dicks about this but then I, let's say they're found out like oh they're it's the inner circle okay that actually, <laughs> that actually makes a little bit more sense now um, 
So we see the inner circle basically getting involved with that, getting involved with Rhodes, basically Jericho calls him a bitch, and Cody again, is one of those, well Cody takes a shot at the, at the other company that they work for, he's like, hey this isn't like the other company where you know we just stay around talk, where there's no invisible barrier, where I can just, you know, step between these ropes, go up, that, go up the stairs, and just beat the ever-living crap out of you, and Jericho was just like, well, you need to remember that it's four of us and one of you. How's that going to work out for you? Out comes Dustin. It's like, okay, it's still two on four, though, you dumbasses. Here comes MJF, because reasons. <laughs> At this point, when MJF comes out... Who wears a scarf? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, who wears a scarf? Look like an idiot. It's like, it's still three against four. It's like, yo, it's me. DDP comes out, to which it was my surprise. I honestly thought they, the Young Bucks were going to come out to kind of like up the odds or some shit like that. But no, DDP comes out and it's like, I'm okay with this. I'm totally fine with this. They go up the ramp, they go up the stairs, they're basically getting ready to beat down the inner circle. But then Jericho and the other guys, they go into like their little little cubby room. They lock the, they lock the doors and Cody decides, you know what, I'm going to do something cool. He has MGF scarf, puts it around his wrist. Bam! Just breaks the glass on it, unlock it, and we get a brawl with the inner circle and the uh, the Co- the Cody family, the Cody faction. We'll call it. They battle in that area. They battle out in the uh, concession area. People are just get. I think there was like a couple people that actually got got hit, which sucked. But it was just a wild brawl that was just really, really amazing. Eventually, security broke it out, and Jericho just. Just doing this whole deal, like, get them out of here, get them out of here. We're paying customers, we pay for these tickets. It's like, what the fuck? You're the champ, you're the campeon. Why are you paying for tickets? You, you're such a smart ass piece of shit. Oh my gosh. I do, I do love how CBS has uh, this post up. I'm going to read this little excerpt here from there because uh, I think it definitely does describe. Uh, Jericho at this point. Jericho's work over the past couple of years has been outstanding and there are endless words to be written about his ability to constantly reinvent himself while maintaining the core of what makes him a special performer. But his work in AW, especially since All Out and the launch of Dynamite, has been next level great. That Case in point, this steal here, just him again literally just screaming at them, oh, we paid for tickets. Get them out of here. We got this going. It's just so, so hilarious. Just seeing that. Oh my gosh! I, I love. I love what they're doing with Jericho. I love what Jericho does with himself. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, then we go into this next matchup, which was just as eventful. Uh, the best friends versus the Young Bucks. Orange Cassidy. Fuck you. <laughs> Just fuck you. <laughs> he, he comes in during this, during this deal, and I think it was even before the matchup even started. He just goes in, does like these weak little super kicks to the legs, and it's just one of those things where like, oh my god, the super kicks, the super kicks. The Young Bucks respond, dual super kicks right to them. It's like, god damn it. <laughs> just... Just see, just seeing that they, they had a really good matchup between the two of them. Uh, also, Orange Cassidy got a nice uh, spot where he just dives over onto the Young Bucks. It's just again, F.U. Cassidy, 
for the love of it's high and mighty. Oh my god. Hands in his pockets, of course. Just, what the hell. Um, then in the end, we see uh, the Young Bucks pick up the victory, hitting the more bang for your buck. And then after the match is over, they said, Ortiz, Santana, you want a match? We accept. So it will be the Young Bucks versus Ortiz and Santana. I'm still calling them LAX. I don't care what anybody says. At full gear in just a few weeks. Oh, gosh. This... Oh, it's going to be such a good matchup. We get LAX versus the, the Young Bucks. I'm totally okay with this. I'm totally okay with this. Yeah, I, I'm just going through in, in that little brawl there. Though, there's Jim Ross like, oh, my God, they're going through the Dippin' Dots. <laughs> That's and, right. And then Dippin', I, I just retweeted here. It's like, Dippin' Dots tweeted Cody in AEW. It's like... Do us a favor. Don't hurt the Dippin' Dots and we'll make you a flavor. Rocky Roads. And Cody's like, deal. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, that was perfect. Back on... Uh, excuse me. Back on NXT, we had Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox going up against uh, Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. Uh, number one contendership for the women's tag team titles. Ooh. And... It's what you would expect. Shafir and Duke are an abomination in the ring. They need so much more work and polishing. Uh, luckily, Kai and Knox won. Uh, it was like a shining wizard, a shiniest wizard. Uh, Kabuki warriors come up on the screen and start screaming in Japanese. And then Kari Sane says they have no chance. Uh, nice short match, but my goodness, Shafir and Duke... Keep them out of the ring until they're actually ready. It's oh, I no. It's infuriating. Uh, oh, oh, tr- oh, trust me. I it think is. <laughs> I, I think that when we get to talking about SmackDown, it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be as infuriating, but I think it's going to be. No, it's going to be less infuriating. Let's just say that right now. Um, but I here, totally missed SmackDown, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm talking about the SmackDown. We're going to be reviewing, my good sir. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I should probably warn. Uh, that's I should put the top of the show, but that SmackDown has. Um, let's just say there's some there's some sensitive topics we're going to be talking about, and we are going to discuss them with an open mind because, yep. of course, we are all inclusive at WrestleLife Radio. Uh, so bear that in mind. It's going to be through 2002 eyes, but it's a rough walk. Um, anyways, uh, did you have something for the A-Dub? Because I'm already at the main event. Uh, just getting to the main event. Just got one more matchup here, and that is, uh, hometown girl, Britt Baker, taking on Jamie Hayter. Uh, honest to God, I love the fact that they did a hype package for her, where she talks about how, you know, you know, she's trained to be a, she was trained to be a dentist, she trained to be a wrestler, and she did it all in her hometown of Pittsburgh, it was one of those things where I loved the story that she told, and it's also one of those situations where I think somebody pointed this out. It might have been JR, or it might have been just something I kind of connect. No, it was JR. It was like, like he could, like she could, you know, knock your tooth out and then put it back in. It's like one of those things where like, oh my God, she's literally in like the best place that she could ever be. She is going to be making so much coin with this deal. Because she could literally, 
I have that. I mean, if this was like during like WWE time, my God, can you imagine her getting like do, doing that whole deal where Jeff Tooth got knocked out and uh, you know having her just putting that back in? My God, that's she be, she'd be making all that broken money. I'm sorry, woken money. <laughs> um, but this was actually a really good matchup between Britt Baker and Jamie. I cannot say anything bad about these two. We see Britt Baker, you know, donning the you know Pittsburgh. Steeler stuff. She she's just rocking hometown gear. Why not? And honestly, she got a standing. She got a really good ovation from her hometown crowd. That was great. Uh, Britt Baker wins with the jaw lock, which again I think is one of the most interesting moves to have. But it's also probably one of the most brutal moves you could have. It's literally just your arms. You can't do anything, and she's just going to do a mandible claw, where she looks like she's just grabbing your bottom jaw. To which is like, okay, that's. That's that's awesome. That is, that's freaking awesome. Uh, Brandy Rhodes would come out to attack uh, Jamie and then do a little promo after her loss. It's kind of one of those things like, okay, are they doing like a program with this? Or just, is this just one of those things that's just kind of like, there? okay, and here's what it is. Uh, I know that they are going to be building up Rip Baker versus Bea Breezley. We know it's going to happen. Just... AEW, just give it to us. Just give it to us at full gear. We know it's happening. Just let us let us have this wonderful enjoyment. Uh, but, yeah, all right, let's get into the main events for both of them. I've got Moxley versus Pac. What have you got? North American Championship, Roddy Strolling to Fingen against Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. Fuck you. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... What we had here was uh, Roddy is taken out early. Lee, had, this is going to be a big uh, um, chat here, so bear with me. Uh, Strong gets taken out right away. Lee and Dijak just keep going in the ring, keep doing their stuff. Uh, Strong tripped Lee, uh, hit us, and I think um, let's see, there's on the top rope hit a superplex on the Lee hit a tight no blue. Strong hit a superplex on Dijak. Uh, Dijak superplex Lee out of a prone strong for a 2.5 count. Uh, on the outside, Lee caught Dijak f- going for a cannonball in midair. Uh, strong slipped through the ropes with a wrecking ball dropkick that took out both guys. So it kind of looked like Dijak hit a meteora on, on Keith Lee. And then there was this wicked Tower of Doom spot. Uh, of course, you know, Dijak was going for a superplex on Strong. Uh, Keith Lee came in underneath Dijak and grabbed him for a powerbomb, but he kind of held him there for just for a second because I think Dijak had to get uh, Strong into the right position for the superplex so they don't each die. And it was just... He didn't think that was a crazy spot, but then um, a Strong, you know, he hits flying knees and Olympic slam, I think on Dijak. Uh, spot, 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 spot. This is just a crazy spot fest. But and then there was a wicked avalanche choke bomb by Dijak. They go to the outside. Keith Lee with a friggin' uh, what's that flipping that flipping plancha called? Uh, my, my goodness, the flipping the flipping senton plancha over the top to the outside. Just a wicked ass match. They come into the ring, and I think there was either a uh, 
yeah, there was a spirit bomb, and then right away, Strong hits a sick kick on onto Keith Lee as he was just getting out of position for the power bomb to pin, and there's there's the win. Oh, and this ain't over. There's aftermath. So of course, the undisputed era comes out and just starts laying everybody out. Champa comes out to the ring with his crutch. Gargano came out to the ring to stood next to Champa, and then oh, we're still outnumbered. Out comes. Finn Balor. They stand side by side to take out the men, get into the ring, and stand toe to toe with them. Uh, Finn Balor just gets a couple of feet in front of Gargano. Boom! Taylor kicked to Gargano, lays him out. Finn Balor heel turn. Rock and Rolla Prince Devitt is. Back and then undisputed era just take out, uh, take out Champa in the ring. Uh, Lee and Dijak have already been taken out by them in, in there. Uh, there was a spike DDT on the entrance ramp. Uh, Balor hit a uh, what's it that uh, shotgun drop kick as Gargano was leaning on the guardrail. Oh God, yes. Oh, and, and then he hit the nineteen sixteen on Gargano on the entrance ramp, and. Uh, he uh, finger finger guns Ella Bullet Club to Gargano before walking out on his own. He did not do the Undisputed Era symbol, which was, I'm thinking, is it Bullet Club? Is it something? But, yeah, Balor is heel. And just the Twitter, like our group chat on with, like, Rachel and Kayla, like, they, that group chat exploded. Uh, I was watching. Was it? Uh, I was watching John Ritland's review this morning. Shout out to John Ritland. He was surprised by it. He was caught off by it. Um, uh, the Bullet Club members, like friggin' like Tama Tonga, AJ Styles, uh, Carl Anderson, they were like, "Well, well, well, what took you so long, Prince?" <laughs> and one of them was like, "And one of them was like, welcome home, Prince,' and something, something, Devitt, and then." Balor, the whole thing with Balor is just like the lead up to this was my past becomes my future, and that way of storytelling right there, like I got a that's uh, top notch. No, no one saw coming, and I thought about that. I was thinking about this this morning, like shower thoughts, and I'm like, Finn Balor let him in. Ooh, yes, that, that is a. That is a crazy way to tie that in, but it actually does make a bit of sense. Look oh. at Seth Rollins. Ooh. He well, he's be, well, he's not being booked as a heel, but he's acting like one. Uh, especially when he burnt down the Firefly Funhouse with no remorse or no shits given. Uh, Seth Rollins let him in. Every opponent that the Fiend has had, which has only been two so far, not counting the dark match he had against the B team, they've been, he's let him in, in a way. So, I know that has, that the feed has nothing to do with this, but I just like, that kind of adds a little bit of the niche to the storyline, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know where this is going to go, if this ends up being like a, if, there, if War Games is going to be like a five-on-five match with Finn Balor and the era against like, DIY, the crowd was chanting DIY when they got in the ring, by the way. 
Um, so you got DIY, Dijak, Lee, maybe Riddle, and, and we and we got a War Games match right there. Ooh, that would that would be really good. I'd be totally okay with that. Um, I will say this: one thing I wanted to comment on this was the shotgun dropkick that Finn Balor did to Gargano on the outside. That was one of my favorite deals because he literally kicks Gargano so hard, the barrier falls down, goes right into the fans. I was literally like, oh, shit, I hope that they are okay. But I saw them like lay on the ground. It's like, okay, they're plants. It's fine. This is planned. Yeah. Uh, no, that was honestly very hard to top. And, yeah, I'm not going to be able to top that because we had, for the main event, like I said, John Moxley versus Pac, we see – Mr. We see Mr. Pac come in, hits John Moxie with a steel chair on the entryway before the matchup even starts. Then we get some great action between these two guys. We knew that they was going to be physical. It got very, very physical. Uh, he tries going for the black arrow on Moxley and misses. I think it's one of the first few times I've ever seen that. And that was just a brutal spot. Uh, we see Moxley go for the cover one, two kick out. Uh, Moxley is able to hit the Paradigm Shift with just 10 seconds remaining for, for TV time. 1-2, Pac kicks out again. Referee unfortunately has to call for the bell for the time expired. They get their first ever time limit draw on TV. And it's kind of a bit of a it's kind of a bit of a thing that people are not happy about. But at the same time, it's one of those things like it kind of keeps both of them looking strong. I'm kind of okay with this. It's like, well, why are you okay with this but not the whole Fiend versus Versus, you know, Seth Rollins deal. Because Seth Rollins versus The Fiend ending was stupid. And this was not. This was something that they've incorporated ever since the event, the company even started. Is that we're doing time limit deals. This is stuff that was established for a long time. With the stuff that happened with The Fiend and, you know, Seth Rollins. That was just stupid. Because this is a matchup that's supposed to end. It's supposed to have a winner. Not this no contest BS. Look, I get it. They did a couple of those like in the 90s. But that was way long time ago. They should have learned a lesson from there. That's all I'm going to say for that. But Moxley, of course, not happy about that. And Pac, and Pac was even just like, what the fuck? I, I, want, I want to keep going. Moxley decides, I'm just going to hit a death rider on the referee. He's getting, he's getting pissed off. He's just like, time limit bullshit. Time limit bullshit. So I don't think we got... I don't think we're done with Moxley and Pac anytime soon. So I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it was a great matchup finish, I'm accepting it because it keeps both of them looking strong and there was only so much time that they had for the show so at least it didn't go over like you know 10 or 20 minutes or something like that they're just trying to keep the tel- their TV happy it's fine uh, but yeah, I think that because of that heel turn, uh, NXT does take the win for this week so, I mean as much as I love the you know, the action that took place on AEW here, as much as I love the, you know, the brawl that took place in this I think that heel turn was definitely, as we like to call it, a game changer. And also, shout out to Zelina Vega for hashtag game changers because that was great. I was going to say that right now. But, all right. All right. So, we're going to take a little quick commercial break. And we come back, we're probably going to be covering one of the most controversial SmackDowns of all time. Some people have argued it's one of the best SmackDowns of all time. Either way, it's going to be interesting to see how we compare the season premiere of SmackDown from a couple weeks ago to the season premiere from 2002. So, we're going to let you guys know. How was it? Let you know, guys, in just a bit. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Nate the Effing Great. 
You know what's really fun, you guys, is just spending some time creating wrestling moments, whether it's being in the crowd, cutting promos, or just really kind of beating each other up with a chair or a trash can. Well, let's just say that there's a safer way to doing that without using the actual chair or a trash can. Go over to Great Minds Revolution Incorporated. My buddy Kurt has actually created a very safe and fun way to be a wrestling fan without the necessary lawsuits of basically beating each other up with real stuff. He has an inflatable chair that is really fun to just whack around, and it could also double as a little float floaty for a pool. He also has the inflatable trash can, which, you guys, is really awesome because, let's say, maybe you don't want to use it for wrestling matches. You could use it at your barbecue, your next big tailgate party, whatever you could think of. Great Minds Revolution, Inc. They do a great job on making wrestling fun again. Proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. I'm Wild. And I'm Randy Fitzsimmons, and this is the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew, pew. Clever Irish Bastard. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Bart Russell Attic Radio. I am Nate the Effing Great, joined here, as always, by Mr. Fretz. All right, so we've been covering a lot of different shows as of this week. Some that have been, honestly, mentally and emotionally scarring, and then some that have been like, okay, this is actually pretty good. Uh, this one is probably going to be the most controversial episode that we'll ever cover, so I think it's going to be apropos that I put down the Game Changer Presents the most controversial episode of, of the GC ever. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be covering, guys, uh, SmackDown in 2002. September 12, 2002, took place in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the Target Center. Honestly, guys, this was a pretty decent show, and we're going to talk about why it was very controversial in just a bit. Okay, no, let's let's... Let's get the elephant out of the room. Major controversy with this is that there is going to be a commitment ceremony between Billy and Chuck. And for those that don't know who Billy and Chuck are, oh, we's about to educate you here. You see, Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo were a famous tag team that were very... Uh, what, what, what's the phrase I'm looking for that's blatant but also kind of sensitive? Blatant? Okay. Trigger warning. Blatant homoeroticism. Okay, that is probably like, the best. Like, it, 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 it implied, implied, especially with Rico. Like, I got a side story about about Rico. Uh, I, I referenced like the two house shows I've only ever been to in wrestling history. One was in '03, and there was supposed to be a match between Jeff Hardy and Stephen Richards for reasons, but Jeff Hardy had just been released, so Rico was last-minute replacement, and he did the whole, what's that, prancing around the ring, he, you know, tapped the referee's butt, he tapped Steven's butt, it was 
Flamboyant, I think is the word. Flamboyant. It's it, it's okay. This is a, a bad term. It's, it's gay heat. Being that was a way to draw heat back in the day. This dates back to shit. Gorgeous George, even. It dates back to Gorgeous George. That and and then down to like Adrian Adonis and Gold Dust. And it was then it was a way to draw heat. And looking at it in 2019 eyes is very rough. It's 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 not okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that because as I said before, we are an inclusive bunch at Russell Attic Radio. Uh, please know that we are covering this with uh, subjective eyes. So <laughs> I, I, wanna, I want to I want to make that note. But it, it was at first that Billy Gunn, Chuck Palumbo, like Billy Gunn had. You know, post Road Dog had kind of a revolving door of tag team partners. Like there was the Shoguns with the Big Show. Uh, there was probably a couple of others he was tagging with. I don't know, like Haku, just because it was going up against the Alliance. Uh, and then eventually, it was just him and Chuck were a makeshift tag team, and they won the titles at. I think it was just after No Way Out two thousand two, but it was before. For us I think they, 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 they didn't start doing the matching attires, the bleach hair, until just after that, because they had Rico Constantino, who was in developmental for our, forever. Like I think at the same time, it was like John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton. Uh, he came up with developmental to be their um, stylist? Was that his gimmick? He was I their think, stylist, their hype man? Yeah, I think that was what it was, and... Oh gosh, I, I think I remember also with this whole uh, 2002 reign that um, there there was a deal where um, where he and Rikishi were the tag team champions for a while because Stephanie thought it would be kind of good for TV, which I think it was kind of a bit of a shock actually that Rikishi technically won the tag team titles by himself. I think it was at that Judgment Day, only to have uh, Billy and Chuck win the titles back, and then they would lose it against the one time pairing of Edge and Hogan. Honestly. That's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. You say, hey, I was a tag team partner with Hulk Hogan. It's like, okay, that's that's actually pretty good. But then, then of course, they would, lose, yeah, they would lose them to the, uh, oh, shoot, who are they called again? Un-Americans. The Un-Americans, thank you. Um, yeah, this basically built up to this SmackDown, the SmackDown premiere of, of this, where they were going to have that commitment ceremony, which could have been the main event, but it was not. It was something else. Something more probably... Something that the FCC probably wouldn't allow nowadays, but we'll get into that, trust me. Uh, of course, we have Taz and Michael Cole on commentary. Honestly, I liked them as a commentary team back in the day. They were fun. They definitely knew how to kind of do a deal where, you know, it, it wasn't, I think that, you know, if I had to rank, I think they would definitely be within my top five with, I think, Vampiro and Matt Stryker kind of being number one. If they would have let Taz be like a Vampiro, I could literally just see him be like, Cole, if you don't shut up, I'm going to choke you out right now. <laughs> just to see that would have been awesome. But we kick off with uh, Brock Lesnar versus Harker Holly in a non-title matchup. Coming off of what basically happened the last week where Paul Heyman made some derogatory comments towards uh, Undertaker's wife, Sarah, who is in attendance during the show. So that's going to be interesting to what we're going to be talking about. Um, Paul Heyman made this comment where it's like, Oh, I'll take. We'll take care of your wife, but not your kid. Of course, that. Unborn kid. She's pregnant. That's right. That's right. Thank you for correcting me. 
Um, which pisses off Taker, and this is basically building up to their matchup at Unforgiven in about 10 days. So notice how there's like very little uh, Unforgiven you know, promotion coming into this. We do get one other matchup made for the, for the event, but that's kind of about it. Uh, but trust me, it does kind of snowball a bit in just a little later on. Um, matchup between Hardcore and Brock, nothing really too exciting. We got to see a slugfest at the start. Uh, trust me, in the later year, we're going to see something even more boring. <laughs> uh, match itself, like I said, nothing too, too crazy. Uh, Hardcore Holly was able to put, hold up his own in this. Uh, we get the... I, I'm looking at this report here, and somebody actually calls it the bear hug of internal bleeding because about a month and a half roughly ago was the whole Hulk Hogan getting the bear hug from Brock Lesnar, and he bled from the mouth. And it was one of those things where, you know, they tried to make his bear hug look like it's a very dominating kind of move, and I get that. Um, but it kind of got worn down after SummerSlam. So it's just kind of like, oh, it's a new move in his repertoire. It's kind of one of those things, whatever. Uh, we get, oh gosh, when, when you told me when you told me that this is going to be still a pretty historic SmackDown, and I saw this as the opening matchup, I'm like, oh, please tell me this is not. Oh God, it is, it is. So Brock Lesnar, he tries to go for a power bomb on Hardcore Holly. Hardcore's not all the way up there. So it kind of looks like his head is still like halfway, halfway up. Brock drops him, unfortunately, breaking Bob Holly's neck. He was still able to go for another couple minutes. F five, one, two, three. That's it. Brock has to. Brock is the winner. Holly has to take time off to, of course, recuperate from this neck injury. Which you kind of notice that two of his injuries have happened on SmackDown. One was his deal with his arm, I think, where he got where his arm was broken from the uh, from the uh, and, yep. And then the second one here, he broke his neck with a botched power bomb from Brock Lesnar, who they would definitely have some great matches a year from now. Trust me. Um, but yeah, Bob Holly would be off for about a year until he came back to join Team Angle against Team Brock at Survivor Series the following year. But we're going to talk about that another time. Uh, yeah, match itself. Nothing really too spectacular. I do commend Bro- uh, Bob Holly for you know continuing the matchup the way he did, even with a broken neck. That's insane. Um, I will also say that I do not miss his theme music where it does the "How do you like me now?" That was just that was just stupid. The fact they took oh, that they out. Could, I like his theme music with, without it. Like it's a too. good theme, but. Just that little thing there, it was just so unnecessary. It's kind of like the Ricochet deal with Ricochet's theme music. No, no, it's better without it. I get it, you're trying to make it sound like he's a fast man. Just stop. We know he is. We know, don't, don't mess with my Puma. Don't mess with Prince Puma. He's my boy. Yeah, uh, this this match had a great first full circle moment. Seventeen years later, Brock Lesnar is the champion on SmackDown once again. Oh shit, that's uh, right. <laughs> there, was, there was a great sign in the crowd that said, uh, "Brock beat me up in third grade." What? I was, I was going to say I forgot to mention that this was supposed to be like in Brock's hometown, so. 
he was getting booed at the start, but then people were actually cheering him, I think, halfway through before resuming the boos at the end of the matchup. It was like a weird roller coaster. Yeah, he's getting the, the cheap the cheap uh, Minnesota pop. Uh, shout out to Rachel Noon there. Uh, Hardcore Holly, just my goodness, like the the balls on the. I, I've read his book, and like I don't think he realized his neck was broken until he was kind of after the match or backstage. This this guy is a tough bastard. Like he finishes a broken finishes a match with a broken arm, a broken freaking neck that disgusting like laceration that gave him a staph infection uh and he took an f5 after all that like my my goodness and just how young uh brock was at this point in time like he was like only like 23 years old and just seeing him being called like the next big thing and like a blue chipper and all that at this time was um yeah, it, it was it was fun looking back on on what SmackDown was and the oh, the Marilyn Manson theme skip right in. Yes, oh man! So we go into the next matchup, which is Los Guerreros taking on the team of Edge and John Cena. And if you want to see literally somebody at their greendom and literally just an out-of-place person. You watch Edge coming out with John Cena to Edge's old theme music of Never Gonna Stop Me, Never Gonna Stop. And I get it. It's one of those things where it's like, he's he's still a young guy. He's still figuring out the business and stuff like that. He just looks like a robot going back and forth during this entrance deal. Edge is all like, oh yeah, get your you know, get on your feet, go crazy, shit like that. And, and Cena's just like, yeah... Yay, yay. Uh, main thing to talk about here is the Guerreros. Honestly, really, really good matchup. I, I liked the, I love the fact that they continued the chemistry between Los Guerreros. We talk about them uh, quite a bit during the No Mercy uh, event because they would go on to win the tag team titles at Survivor Series later on. Uh, but yeah, I know that the story behind this basically was that Edge ended up giving Eddie a stink face via Rikishi, who, ironically enough, is on the show. So we're going to talk about him in just a bit. Um, match itself was really good. And honestly, I think it was one of those matches where it's like, okay, Cena's slowly getting his, you know, footing here. He's slowly getting that, uh, getting feeling the groove. He's starting to feel, feel things out. Uh, I forgot, oh God, I forgot that, he did, that his finisher used to be the protobomb. And he hits that so well. God, if he would start, if he would bring that move back, that'd be amazing. Uh, but in the end, we see uh, Chavo hit. We see uh, Eddie hitting the frog splash on Cena for the victory. And Eddie's thinking, "Oh, hey, I'm gonna make sure that Edge gets a stink face from my nephew." So we see the fact that oh god, fucking Chavo wearing a thong. That's one thing I did not want to see. Uh, but Edge is able to kind of outwit him and give uh, the stink face to Eddie once again via Chavo. And Chavo is just like enjoying it until he sees like, what what's going on? Oh, no, 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 no. And we we kind of get like the classic WCW Chavo, I think, in this deal because right immediately after that we get that backstage deal where Eddie's just like trying to pour water on his face. He's trying to be like, 
like, why'd you do that to me, man? <laughs> why'd you do that to me? And Chavo's like, dude, dude, it's okay. I wipe. And, and he's like, I don't need to know. Ah, ah, my eyes. Just imagining that. And just, again, having Chavo just being like, I didn't know, man. I didn't know. I didn't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's just so funny. I will also say this, that this is kind of a weird deal, but when I was watching on the network, they had this match after, uh, gosh, what was it? I think it was like right before the uh, commitment ceremony. So it was kind of one of those things where it got really weird, where it was like, okay, fast forwarding here, here, here. Going to this matchup, backtracking. It's like, why? Why don't you just have it in the proper order? What's going on? <laughs> are, you, are you guys idiots? <laughs> are you just morons? Oh my gosh. Just, it was weird. It was weird just seeing that. But um, uh, it, this is just one of those things where it it's funny for what it is. Um I try, I try to think months before though. This was uh, yeah. I think this was months after uh, Eddie and Edge had that amazing uh, no DQ matchup on SmackDown. So there's kind right, of just a few weeks after, yeah. Like oh, months, okay. Maybe and yeah. then, or maybe though it might be after this. It was. I remember it being in about the fall of 2002. They had you oh, know Eddie does like the sunset bomb off the ladder, and that becomes like a wicked spot in the. Was it like Raw Two for the Xbox and like the Here Comes the Pain for the PS Two? Uh, I really enjoyed this match and seeing a, like seeing him in like uh, tights at this point in time was weird because <laughs> we're so used to seeing him in jean shorts. Uh, yeah, that nice Brainbuster Frog Splash combo. Uh, same finisher as Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy. Uh, that was great, and that that uh, friggin' Play with my face, Holmes. Uh, ass spot was it was hilarious. Like classic, classic Los Guerreros. Uh, Taker and Sarah backstage with Matt Hardy, and he's talking about having like, oh, V one is gonna have a kid. And I'm like, ha, Maxwell is V two. Yes, I I love that segment. Uh, there and Taker just basically being a bit of a dick here. Because Matt Hardy's actually being like a nice guy here, and Undertaker's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't care, I don't care, man. And he actually wanted to congratulate Sarah personally, and then Taker was just like, yep, yeah, f no, tosses Matt, and Matt Hardy makes this comment where it's like, he's going to get a mattitude adjustment. Oh my god, just the amount, the amount of irony that we would get about years later when we would have. A magnitude adjustment as a finisher, just minus the M. I hate everything. Uh, I was just going to say that sounds like a finisher name. Yeah, I know. God dang it. Uh, we have Rico backstage with Stephanie, basically talking about how, oh, the wedding is all crazy. We need a witness. Stephanie at first is like, I don't uh, I don't want to kind of... <laughs> it's kind of like watching Stephen King during Sleepwalkers, where it's just like, it's like you know... I don't want any part of this. This is just too batshit crazy. It's kind of like Stephanie wanted the same thing, but Rico would, of course, just basically egg her on, be like, oh, this is so terrible. We need a witness of blah, blah, blah. Being such a little baby. Um, yeah. And you see, and then Stephanie's like, okay, okay, fine. I, I will be there. And Rico gives like a weird, like, peck on the cheek to Stephanie, which is like, okay, this is, even even for even for me, I'm just like this is weird. Okay, uh, oh boy, oh boy, ready to talk about this? 
<laughs> Ray Mysterio. Hang, hang on, I turn my page and I'm like, oh, wait, we're going, oh, wait, hang on, never mind, this is first. Yep, yep, goody, goody, guys, we're going to get a really good matchup here. Ray Mysterio versus Kurt Angle in a SummerSlam rematch. Kurt Angle comes out, he cuts his nice little pre-match promo. Uh, let's say this, uh, Botchamania has covered this. Anybody who's made a highlight video of WWE's Funny Moments have covered this. Anybody who has a fiber of comedy in their body knows that this <laughs> existed. And so many people in the crowd during that night were laughing. Even 17 years later, I'm laughing at this. So Kurt Angle, he's basically talking about everything that's going going on. He talks about facing off against Rey Mysterio. And he it starts off kind of good. Where he's just like, it's like you're a little boy in a man's world. <laughs> it, 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 right there. <laughs> it would have been good there, but it's literally one of those things where he's like, where he's like, I'm gonna beat your ass. Wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> he's just, it continues like you're. He just, he does like this thing where he just resets it. Where he's like resetting promos. It's like you're a boy and I'm a man and I'm gonna get on top of you. And wait, no, no, no. Just <laughs> Just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore. <laughs> oh my god. This goes on at least for like two or three minutes until Kurt Angle's like, you know what? Screw it. Get out of here. I'm gonna I'm gonna whoop your butt. <laughs> so then we get so then we get, you know <laughs> we, then, we then get Ray Mysterio coming out. Uh, great matchup between these two. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite moments in this was uh Kurt Angle is charging after Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio incorporates the 619 into the ropes, and Kurt Angle goes right through the ropes. That was just one of my favorite moments there, just seeing that. Uh, when he used to do that, uh, the I see a moonsault, the one where he like leaps off one rope, springboards off another, and does like a moonsault from there. Oh, God, I remember him doing that, and that was just so great. Um that oh god the, the the those inside out German suplexes are always brutal no matter who takes them. Uh, my gosh, just absolutely just great seeing these two putting on another great matchup. A lot of people have been saying that this is not as good as their SummerSlam match. It's still passable for TV. It's still really good. Uh, matchup ends with Kurt Angle hitting the super Angle Slam on Rey Mysterio for the victory. It, like I said, really good matchup. Some really nice spots here and there. And it makes you realize, man, Rey Mysterio, you're trying so hard to continue that, that deal. And he's still reinventing himself, I think, with his moves. It's just, oh gosh, I I just loved seeing those kind of moves. Uh, I mean, we've talk, we could even talk about like some of the stuff that he did in Halloween Havoc 97, where you know he did that like that backflip DDT from the top rope on Eddie. Oh my gosh. Or the, uh, the, the, the leaping deal where he just leaps outside. Does a hurricane run it to him? Just oh gosh! Again, if I'm gonna say this again, oh gosh! I, I feel I feel like we need to review that next week now. I feel like we do. I feel, Halloween Havoc '97. Halloween Havoc '97 because I want to see that match now. Done. Okay, so we got our, we got a review for next week, uh, and, and you know what? It only makes sense that we end it on a high note for the month of October. So. Halloween Havoc on, ha- on Halloween, no less. No like, kidding. What a coincidence. Oh my gosh, this, this is going to be great. Um, 
yeah, honestly, do you have anything add, to add on to this uh, matchup here between Kurt and uh, Ray? It, it was just fantastic. Like, Suplex City, uh, the stuff that Ray could do, like, five knees ago was awesome. That backdrop to a moonsault jump spot was great. And that uh, that top rope angle slam, mwah. Like, when I played all the old, like, it was either uh, Day of Reckoning on the GameCube, and I created Ken Anderson, Oh, why don't they have the Kenton bomb in this match? Oh, top rope angle slam is close enough. So that would be the move I'd give to, to that guy. Uh, just, man, the chemistry these two had was was perfect. And there was like, uh, like I'm a man who likes to play with boys. Oh, phrase. Uh, Archer already took care of that for me there. It's like, hey, phrasing. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I like this next match because it's a king of the ring 2000 rematch. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Chris Benoit versus Rikishi. Uh, honestly, pretty... It's a serviceable matchup. It's not passable, but it is definitely serviceable. Uh, we see Rikishi using you know, his bigger size to his advantage, but we see also Benoit just finding ways to just... Oh my gosh. Just find way, ways to, you know, to match that. Uh, oh my god, the... Mm. That electric chair in the corner, that Amazing. was nice. that was great. That showed that definitely demonstrated the uh, the the strength that Benoit had. And for those of you that are thinking that we're praising Benoit, you have to remember that we're praising the wrestler side. We're not going to be praising the you know human being side. It's kind of like what you know. It's 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 kind of like what Paul Heyman said in an interview where he basically talks about how you know you can admire his work in the ring. He admit that it's one of like the best five competitors that he's ever seen. Uh, when it comes to him as a human being, to, to quote Paulman, fuck him. That's the way it is. So, uh, with that though, we see Benoit try to go for the top rope headbutt. Kurt Angle stops him. Rikishi just decides to back it up. And Kurt Angle decides, you know what? I'm going to have a little fun with this grabs Benoit's arm so he cannot move whatsoever and gets a stink face from Rikishi. What is it about big guys with big butts doing a stink face to another man that is just so funny no matter what? I just, I don't understand it, but it's just so funny. Whenever Rikishi did that, it's always like a laugh out loud moment for me just because, especially if he does it to like a heel, their reactions, uh, I'm surprised that he's still, you know, his ass doesn't have like some kind of disease after having ben, having uh, Vince McMahon's face up it. <laughs> yeah, callback. You're welcome. Um, like I said, the match itself, nothing really too spectacular, but seeing the whole deal where Benoit gets <laughs> gets a stink face from Rikishi, it kind of made it worth it. Uh, later on, we would also see that uh, Stephanie would make Benoit versus Angle for Unforgiven. So you have that look to look forward to. Then they also make the announcement of Matt Hardy versus Undertaker later on during the night. So, yeah. I think that goes into that. So, uh... Alright. Here we go. (laughs) We're going right into it. Uh, This is where... Insert can opening sound here. Except I have to go to work in two hours now. So... Yep, probably a good way to put it. We had the commitment ceremony between Billy and Chuck before the commercial break came up. 
we see uh, Rico. He basically is criticizing everything. He's saying, saying, oh, the weddings, you know, you're wearing the wrong dress. Your hair looks wrong. And blah, blah. I'm literally looking at this like. The flowers. Yep, the flowers. and the, Oh, he was critiquing like the wood that was. Uh, Giggity. The, 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 not not that wood. The wood the wood on the uh, the archway or whatever that was the little the little setup that they had in the in the middle of the ring. Um, they said it was like the wrong. It was like not mahogany or some shit like that. I, I I know it was literally one of those things where like wow you really went over the top with this character. I get it, but uh, he's. It, I'm sorry, but he's just the planner. Like I was just the best man at my brother's wedding a month ago, and uh, my my sister in law Stacy is like. The least Bridezilla bride I've ever seen. She was just so cool, calm, and collected. Like our friends, I gotta give a massive shout out like to our friends uh, Derek and Justine. They're two co. There are there are a couple of coworkers of mine, and they're they're a couple. They're at the store. Derek actually used to live like I used to cut through my back door here, end up on his back porch to have a couple of couple of bubbly. But you know he moved back back home because his landlord over there is a tool um anyway they were doing like a whole grunt of the work for it so they, they were the ones working working their asses off but i know dave and stacy did too but just rico's not even the bride and he's being a total bridezilla here right oh my gosh it's just well it is what it is uh so we get into the uh, actual deal where we see probably one of the worst acting deals we'll ever see when it comes to their vows. Where, oh my gosh, the, the line of uh, that Chuck has where it's like, where, where he ta- he talks about how Billy Gunn was Mister Ass and how you know you've captured something more prestigious than any tag team titles. You've captured my heart, and even Chuck, even oh. Billy, even, even Billy just goes like. Dude, that's even too cheesy for you. And, you know, they kind of play it off. Like, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems like, you know, things are going well, quote-unquote. Fans are kind of just turning against this whole entire ordeal. And we get the justice saying the line of, you know, if anybody objects to their marriage, speak now or forever hold their peace. Get a couple minutes and then... Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we get the Godfather in the house. And, oh, my God. I literally look at every single one of these ladies. I'm like, my God. I forgot that Godfather was literally the greatest thing to happen in the history of WWE just because he provides so many ladies for so many people. If they tried pulling that off, you know, nowadays, it would not be as accepted. But at the same time, pretty sure there's some guys that would be like, I'm okay with this. You get to see a lot of pretty ladies. I mean, they. I mean, you could say that Adam Rose is the godfather of this generation with him having all the groupies and all the people behind him, all the quote-unquote rosebuds. It's just, it is literally that. It's just like, instead of, you know, godfather, we'll call him Adam Rose. And instead of hose, we'll call him rosebuds. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Becky Lynch, Braun Strowman, Elias, uh, they were all rosebuds. Yeah, that, that is crazy. And hell, we have to mention the fact that uh, Victoria was one of the hoes. Yeah, well, she was a, she was a working hoe. You see, you, you, you see Bruce? Uh, they, they went to hoes or us. <laughs> uh, <but> no, <laughs> she she wasn't de- and developmental, so, you know. 
Oh, damn it all. Uh, but yeah, we, we get this whole deal where the Godfather's basically just sit, saying, Billy, you were always ch chasing beautiful asses all over the world, and Chuck was chasing all the skirts, and blah, blah, blah. Rico uh, basically tells them to go, and, uh, oh, yeah, Godfather has a line, he's like, I'm just going to say this to you, Rico, that you don't know, know what you're missing out on the whole train. So the hoes are leaving, and Billy and Chuck, this is where they start going off the rails, because you see their reaction of, like, uh, what, what, what's, what's going on? Um, this is, this is not, okay. Um, we see the minister basically ask, you know, if they're, they take each other. Billy, of course, just says yes. Chuck is literally looking over at Rico, and you even hear him say in the line of, Rico? <laughs> Rico says, it's okay, it's okay. So it's one of those things where it's like, this is weird. He's literally trying to get them married? What? Why? Whatever, whatever. So just before... Oh, just before things get to the, you know, by the power vested in me, Chuck and Billy are like, no, 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 hold it, hold it, what the hell is this? Rico, this is supposed to be a publicity stunt. And li like you said, that line of, you know, we're not gay, we have nothing against gay people, which apparently gets the biggest pop of the entire night. You see people actually standing up and clapping, just doing that. I don't know if they're clapping because of the fact they're not gay, or if they're supporting the fact that, you know, that they have nothing against gay people. And it's just so funny where he just says, says, hey, if I were gay, I wouldn't be married to Chuck. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, that, that's funny. But Rico gets all pissy, all upset, and the minister's like, no, gentlemen, please. You guys have a special bond. It can last for 50 years. It can last for 16 months or three minutes. Three minutes. Wait a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> Did I just hear myself say, Three minutes. And to get the second pop of the night, we get revealed the fact that Eric Bischoff is the minister. And honestly, even even back then, the makeup design was so good. I mean, he definitely tried to cover his voice. And honestly, I think that there's a part of me that wouldn't have not even expected that. But it is one of those things where it's just amazing seeing that. I think, didn't like Becky Lynch do something like that either earlier that she did it within the last year where she kind of did like the whole makeup deal forgot what it was but um yeah they, we get uh rico turning on billy and chuck here comes three minute warning they beat down on chuck and billy and then they do a samoan drop to stephanie mcmahon looks like she's gonna get flattened like a pancake when the other smackdown superstars come in and they're just like nope you ain't taking out our boss you ain't touching our boss no 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 uh, <laughs> you hear Eddie just being I think Eddie's like screaming out you know, what's going on man what's going on it's kind of one of those things where it kind of makes a little bit of like ooh, you know you can't really trust too many people here on Smackdown uh, honestly you know the ceremony was cheesy it was one of those things where you know looking back at it yes I could see somebody back then maybe taking offense to this because unless you know they were actually an item then this really shouldn't have happened. Uh, I have my doubts that we're going to see Sonya Deville and her girlfriend getting married on TV. God, I hope not, because that would just be horrible. Um, unless it's like a happy ending deal where it's like a legit wedding and 
you know, they actually had the not, wedding. A, wrestling, not a wrestling wedding, but an actual wedding. I yeah. think that should be clarified. Oh my gosh, that'd, that'd be like Match Made in Heaven 2.0. Uh, but, but yeah, it's one of those things where it doesn't age very well, but you incorporate the Godfather, you incorporate the whole Eric Bischoff deal, and that's what makes this very memorable, is the fact that, you know, you weren't expecting really to see Eric Bischoff appear on SmackDown and beat up, beating up, you know, a couple of SmackDown guys with his boys, with his heavies. And for those of you that don't know, I think we'll have to definitely put this in perspective. So Three Minute Morning was this two hefty guys, Rosie and Jamal, who literally came out and just caused chaos. Their first deal, they had these two jobbers fighting against each other. I think it might have been like, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was like Rodney Mack versus Steven Richards or something like that. And... Eric Bischoff said this deal. It's like, oh, your three minutes are up. And here comes Jamal and Rosie. Boom, beat him up, beat him up, beat him up. This kind of continued for months where he would have them beat up. Uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka was one of them, which was a shock. Uh, there were these two uh, lesbians that came in, and they tried to up the ratings, but, hey, three-minute warning came out to that. So this was kind of like Eric Bischoff's you know, heavies that, if he didn't see, think that this was, you know, working out in his favor, that he would have, you know, these guys just come in, beat him up. That's basically how it was. And honestly, I kind of missed that kind of deal where you literally had people that were legit threats just coming out and literally showing that they are legit badasses. And I kind of like the fact they're doing that a bit with the Authors of Pain, where, you know, they're not just these two big guys that are just you know, kind of there, and they kind of have, like, these, like, shield vests or something like that. It's literally one of those things where it's, like, they are they have, like, somebody that's going to be probably directing them, but they're still going to be heavy hitters. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on with these guys. So, like, like I said, this was a SmackDown segment. Does it hold up? No. But does it have memorable moments? Oh, of course. I mean, just, you know, Billy's comment of, you know, nothing against gay people was kind of funny um the deal where you know jamal and rosie come in beat everybody beat up everything tear apart the stage deal um eric bischoff big reveal just it was great that that's one of those things where it's like it's like 50 percent bad 50 percent good uh, I, i'm with you right there just eric bischoff's acting in his priest just acting acting like he's 90 years old just shaking like he has alzheimer's that added a nice little niche to his um to his character uh in 2002 like this was like as i said before quote-unquote gay heat and yeah it's it was just so this was so cringy and then the godfather coming out like what the his hell are you two doing <laughs> and it, it's just like not not knowing you know maybe Godfather didn't realize that your sexuality is not a choice. <laughs> and when and the reason why this they did this whole publicity stunt thing is that, well, on Raw is when they had the HLA, the <clears throat> hot lesbian action that, of course, got beat up by Jamal and Rosalie. Uh, we should mention, well, they're, they've both passed away. We both, we know that uh, Jamal would become Umaga and Rosie would be the superhero in training, the brother of Roman Reigns himself, uh, and is just Rico pressuring them into this 
relationship as a ratings ploy, as a story, is kind of weird. It's kind of like, um, in a way, that, that movie, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but in a way, it wasn't like, it wasn't that they were pressured. I think the reason why Adam Sandler's character, no, um, Kevin James's character was doing this deal is just for, like, tax and, um, what, uh, kids' reasons. And, and, and that movie, and I think that movie, it handled a delicate subject well. And this, there was parts of this that were extremely, uh, homophobic, but also at the same time, it tackled a sensitive subject kind of okay, but it just, it just had that really bad gay heat stink on it. Uh, and as we was saying, like, Billy Gunn's like, you know, we're not gay, we have no problem with gay people. In O2, I don't know which of those would, would get, would get the pop, unfortunately. It's, uh, man, it's, overall, it was a really bad segment. Three minute warning, I think, saved the day. Stephanie's selling, like, the look on her face when Eric Bischoff was like, wait a second, and she's like the, just the deer in the headlights, like, oh my gosh, face. Yeah, uh, controversy, man, this was very, very controversial. Yikes. (laughs) Probably the best way to put it. Uh, We then go into the next matchup, which was something that's probably less infuriating, because... We just talked about the, uh, you know, the tag team matchup on NXT, but we go into uh, Nidia versus Tori, which was honestly like quick, painless. There were a couple of spots where it was like, oh geez, okay. Um, I think there's a spot where like Tori goes for a, uh, goes for like a splash in the corner or something like that, and Nidia literally looks like she just knocked her down with a boot. It was just one of those things like, oh, geez, that was, that was just insane. Uh, and this is also pre-perverted Jamie Noble, so they showed a recap of Jamie Noble laying out Tori Wilson <laughs> during a match between her and uh, Nidia last week. Jamie Noble left, Nidia wins, so this kind of set up a rematch between the two. It's like, okay, so it's it's a bit of a filler. It is what it is. Um, Tori Wilson picked up the victory with a neckbreaker. Uh I will. I will also say this: that it's kind of funny how I find the uh, so what was it the the the, the Rikishi stink face deal to be hilarious, but when it came down to you know I don't know if it was like Tori Wilson or if it was Kelly Kelly did that like years later when they did it, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like I get to see girls, but I this is not funny nor is it like arousing. It's like it's like there. Okay then. Um... Yeah, then we go into the uh, final matchup, which is Matt Hardy versus The Undertaker. And I said during this matchup, I said to myself, okay, if Matt Hardy gets a twist of fate or, like, side effect on The Undertaker, I will admit that he's one of the greatest of all time. He did not. So I was like, okay, thank God. (laughs) As much as I love Matt Hardy, this is one of those moments where I was like, I don't want this to happen. I don't want him to actually get any offense on Taker. And the only thing that he got was, like, a low blow-in. And... Undertaker did not really sell it that well. He just took a low blow. Matt Hardy was going to get like a clothesline or something, but he got a big boot to the face and just 
It's just one of those things where like, well, we're going to see Matt Hardy just die, basically. Or were we? Because uh, Matt had Brock and Paul on the outside. Paul, during, for like the first beginning of the match, did like weird stuff where he's on the apron, he throws a chair in. It's just one of those things like, it's really weird. Um, but Brock and him both got thrown out. They both got uh, ejected from ringside. We see Undertaker looks like he's about ready to finish off Matt Hardy, but we see a backstage video of Paul Heyman approaching Sarah, talking to her. And Undertaker, this is where it gets crazy because you don't get to see this much uh, nowadays, is that as soon as Undertaker saw what was going on, he did not just stand there and watch. He bolted. He literally was like, oh, hell no. You ain't touching my wife. So he goes to the back. He finds Paul Heyman. And he looks like he's going to murder him for almost touching his wife. But then we hear Sarah scream out, Mark, look out! Bam! Steel chair to the face by Brock Lesnar. And then we get probably the most uncomfortable moments, probably in all of wrestling. Uh, oh, God, this was... Jeez, this is like, how can we outdo Raw's Katie Vick deal? Let's have Brock Lesnar touch a pregnant woman's stomach and say the phrase, Life's a bitch. Which was literally like, okay, that just, no, th- no, just no. Um, oh, God, this this was a very unsettling way to end SmackDown. And, it, again, another one of those controversial deals where you just see that and it's like, no, thank you. I, I, It's one of those things where, you know, I've seen this SmackDown in its entirety. I think that's all I need. I... I don't think I ever want to watch it again. I don't need a reminder of Hardcore Holly having his neck broken. I don't need a reminder of that of that commitment ceremony. I don't need the uh, I don't need that visual of Brock touching a pregnant lady and saying that phrase. Just oof, it's very unsettling. At least, at least he didn't finish how that phrase usually finishes. That is true. That that is that is true. Uh, so this SmackDown. Uh, has highs for like I think the first half, but then after the wedding, it definitely started like steamrolling downhill. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, didn't Matt Hardy beat the Undertaker or pin him or count him out? Uh, they gave the victory to Matt Hardy via countout. I think this is the one victory Matt has over the Taker, unless he has. A pinball victory over the Undertaker, but do you know who else has a victory over the Undertaker? And you will not expect this. Um, I swear to God, if it's Mark Merrill, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, I said, we were talking off air. It's where Tito Santana. Tito Santana has a victory over the Undertaker. Pitfall victory over the Undertaker. I think it was either in Mexico or Spain at a house show. Uh, I think it was a Clint Eastwood flying jalapeno, but it was like one of those the Taker would take the finish and just get right back up. But it was like 1991. I'm while I ta- I'm actually going to bring it up and as, as I'm ta- as I'm talking here. But yeah, Tito Santana against against Taker. And it was, um, up, 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 there it is, Barcelona, Spain, in, uh, 
I think that's why a lot of people still enjoyed SmackDown because of the fact that they tried to be like the wrestling show compared to the segment show that, you know, Raw was being at the time. And in all honesty, it definitely shows in this show that, you know, segments don't always make great television. Uh, some really good matches and really great storytelling is what really, you know, does, you know, create that. So, yeah. That was SmackDown 2002. Uh, we got our deal for next week. I'm trying to think if there's any other news stories that we could talk about before we uh, call it a day. Uh, do you have anything that you wanted to bring up that we should discuss? I, I don't think so. I was just about to go back on my my, my wrestling news page uh, to make sure, but I think we, we, we've covered the bases. We've been on for two hours, so I think we've, we, we've covered everything. It's... Uh, uh, an interesting and not interesting week at the same time. I think it's the best way to put it. So, hope you guys enjoyed the most controversial episode of the Game Changer Podcast. And, uh, yeah, it kind of makes, makes an impact. It was definitely showing that the future is now and that SmackDown had some dark days. So, guys, check us out on our, our Twitter feed. Uh, at Real F and Game for me, at the legendary JF for Mr. Fretz. Also check out all the people on Wrestle Addict Radio at Attic underscore Wrestle. Be sure to also check out all the other great people of the channel, the Gift of Podcast, Fourth Wall Wrestle Cast, Nacho Mama Soap Opera, and of course the Kings of the Ring. Definitely check those guys out. And I will make a little personal shout out to another Kings of the Ring, the audio drama. Deal, definitely check them out because how they do their podcasts is that they actually create a bit of a soap opera-esque deal and they also combine some real-life drama that happened in the wrestling world uh, earlier in the 80s as well as the 90s. So definitely check that out. It's a really interesting podcast. So shout out to the Kings of the Rings audio drama. You definitely want to check that out. It's definitely something I recommend listening to. I've listened to a few of their episodes, and I'm going to continue listening to them. It's just really great. You'll definitely hear some of the stories that sound exactly like something you might have heard in the past, but you definitely will never listen to it the same way again after listening to this. So, guys, we're Mr. Fretz. I've been Nate the F. Been great. From all of us here at the Russell Attic Radio family, we want to give you guys a happiest of all Halloweens, as next week we will be talking about that. And... Oh shit! Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I almost spaced out on that. Uh, I did say that we were going to have a big announcement for this episode, and honestly, guys, here it is. We are going to be doing our own year-end show where we're going to be taking plan. I think is going to be it's possibly going to be fifteen categories. So fifteen categories 
wrestling related as well as Twitter related. So for those of you that have been listening to our show, definitely tune into that. In December, we're actually going to be doing the show. Also, do uh, you want to check out the week before Thanksgiving? We will actually be announcing the categories for this. And the first set of nominations will take place on Thanksgiving week. So definitely stay tuned to that. Be sure to follow me on Twitter to know all the details. As well as follow Mr. Fretz so you can know how you can vote and how you can be a part of this, you guys. Because we're just picking the categories. We would like to know what you guys think has been some of the best and worst of the wrestling world of this year. And we're going to be covering a lot of ground when we get to those final few episodes of the year. So guys, be sure to be a part of this show. Be sure to be a game changer. And hey, while you're at it, go over to Wrestling Hub. Mention our name for possible best duo as well as best podcast. I believe that the result, not the results, the uh, voting is going to be starting up pretty soon actually. Nominations, like the nominations have closed. I think the categories are still being built. Like I was just on Russell Hub's uh, Twitter now, and they've been pretty quiet. So I guess they're getting everything ready because the the podcast awards are like December eighth or something. Like like uh, our good, good brother Ant's going to be hosting them, and there's been a couple. There's there's some wicked stuff planned for it. Like I think he had like a Firefly Funhouse skit. For it, it was really well. <laughs> Mr. Really Rogers, well he was wearing he was wearing the sweater, the Mr. Rogers thing, acting like, oh, that's why I love Ant. And shout out, shout out to him big time. His podcast with Kyle and Brad, the rant is friggin' hilarious. They just had me in stitches at work last night. It was good. Oh man! So for all of us here, Russell Attic Radio and the Game Changer Podcast, thank you guys for all the support. Continue to just give us as much support as you can. Because without you guys, we wouldn't be here. We really wouldn't be. So thank you guys so much. Be sure to check us out on our Patreon page. And we will talk to you guys in the next episode. Hey, we're ending it on a high note with Halloween Havoc 1997. It's kind of ironic. We're starting, we started off with one of the worst, and we're ending it with one of the best. So guys, talk to you guys in the next episode when we are in higher spirits. Bye-bye. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? 
Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Time to start the bird seed. Watch out for the seagulls. Oh, my head. Are you okay? United Healthcare helps connect you to care whenever you need it. Like video chatting with a doctor right from your phone. So I don't need stitches? No, just put some antibiotic cream on it. Great. Thank you, doctor. United Healthcare. Health plan benefits may vary.